But uh, no, I've been ordained for years, testing, testing, and uh, and I've been privileged to preach for over 29 years now. <laughs> testing, testing. Uh, Mike, check. Mike, check. Travis is in the house. I'm not perfect, but my coffee is. Uh, I read a joke yesterday, Travis, that said. It was one of those Babylon B headlines. It said uh, breaking news, something like that. Uh, Babylon B has almost, oh, has, perf- has perfected their recipe to be almost half as good as McDonald's coffee. <laughs> uh, is that good for you? Yes, uh, So I just mute it or turn it off for now.
Just wanna praise you forever and ever and ever for all you've done for me. Blessing and glory and
do a lot of things, but being on time is not one of them. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Scanning the QR code located on the front of the worship guide allows you to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one place. If you are a guest with us, welcome. Um, please click on the menu item for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you can mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Um, Today after worship, or here's our announcement. Um, Today after worship, the Teague Village Group will meet in the church house. We also have a neighborhood walk for our Village Kids movie night that's coming this Thursday. Um, The the neighborhood walk is today, right after church, um, and we're just going to go up to uh, Virginia Boulevard, inviting our neighbors to join us for this little movie night. Uh, The rest of the week, Tuesday, is Women's Fellowships at 530. Uh, Thursday at 7 in the morning is the Shipman Men's Group at Just Love Coffee. 5 p.m. is the Goodson Men's Group at the Church House. Uh, And like I was saying, 6.30 is our movie night for the kids here at the church. Um, Friday, 6.30 in the morning, is the O'Neill Men's Group at the Bridge Street Panera. And then, okay, for the women's ministry... There is their summer socials, and you can click on, I think they have, they have a, hold on, they have, they have information, find one of the women's ministries, so you can sign up for having fun this summer with the women of our church. Okay, there we go. Good morning. Oh, y'all sound like peppy today. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, fathers. We celebrate you. We bless the Lord for you. Thank you for all that you do, as well as the spiritual fathers in the room. Like, sometimes we um, don't talk a lot about spiritual fathering and mothering and so um, if you're serving in that capacity for someone as a mentor happy father's day to you too because that's really important so happy father's day to everyone will you just join me in singing to the lord and telling him how much you love you love him
That's why my heart is filled with praise. 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 That's why my heart is filled
are able, please stand with me for our call to worship. It's taken from Psalm 105, verses 1 through 4. Please join me where it notes people. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Amen. Amen. Come on, my friends.
hand clap of praise this morning. Lord, we will bless you in this place. We will bless you in this place. (laughs) How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great. Sing with me how great 
name. You may be seated. Yeah. The sermon text for today comes out of Jeremiah 9 and also Proverbs 1. It's on the board if you want to look. Jeremiah 9, verses 23 through 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and he knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. In Proverbs 1, the first seven verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of God. Praise the Lord, saints. Oh, we ain't going to do that to me. Praise the Lord, saints. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I would like to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the building. Yes? Okay, I want you can clap on that. You can clap on that. Um, but we can also look to our better halves. I was telling um, Mandy and Richard this morning that... Um, it's a beautiful thing to say Happy Father's Day because most of us who got um, wonderful wives at home who help us be the men that we are, we can't take no credit. And then we have our awesome Father that's in heaven that when we fall short as men, who always stands in the gap for us to make us the best that we could possibly be. So I'm honored today to be standing before you just to say Happy Father's Day to you and that we can rejoice that we have a Father that's in heaven that's always locked in, who's always there, who's always available, especially when it comes to our sin and confessing. He's there to listen, and so we have our confession of sin that we're going to discuss at this moment. Um, I'm going to read the verse, and then we're going to have a pause in the middle, and I'll let you know when the party of sin, what it looks in. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from your, my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be white as snow. Psalms 51, verses 1 through 3, verse 7. Let us pause and reflect on our sins.
as always, our Father is good, and his mercy endures forever. Uh, he always gives us a way of escape. In 1 John 4.10, he says, in this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he's loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, propitiation for our sins. Forgive me. And let us pray. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Lord, we thank you this morning for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that you called the sun to shine. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've been faithful when we've been faithless. We thank you, Lord, that you're holy and that you're pure and you're just and you're righteous. We thank you, Lord, that you see past our faults and see our needs. We thank you, Lord, that you're making provision for, for the things that we don't even ask for. We thank you, Lord, that you set our hearts in the right direction. Because if it's left for us, for us we, would, we would never do it. We thank you, Lord, for your passion for us, Lord, that you send your son to die for us. But Lord, I thank you so much, Lord God, for this church. I thank you for the men, the leaders that's in it. I thank you, Lord God, for the people that you call to serve you in it, Lord God, and we serve you in spirit and truth. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for how you've given us a heart for you. You put your word in our heart that we will follow. Lord, that you called us to obedience because we know we would not do it. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that when we stand before you, we'll be clean one day. We thank you, Lord God, that you have a purpose for us. Thank you, Lord God, you put your spirits in us, Lord, to guide us and teach us. Thank you, Lord, that we have a Father in heaven that we can come and pray to and talk to daily. Thank you, Lord God, that our, our bellies are full. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to beg. Thank you, Lord God, that you, Lord God, will make a way out of no way. Thank you for the strength that you've given us, Lord God, to serve you. Thank you, Lord God, for your word, for your word is true and is forever alive. Thank you, Lord God for all the things that you do that we don't even see that's going behind the scenes. Thank you for community. Thank you for family. Thank you for Juneteenth on yesterday. It was a great celebration, Lord God, and fellowship. Thank you, Lord God, for how it was orchestrated. Thank you, Lord God, for Lyle Lee. Thank you, Lord God, for you using him, Lord God. Thank you for our beautiful kids who came and served endlessly. Thank you, Lord God, for them setting an example for us to even to follow as adults. Thank you, Lord God, for you calling them, Lord God, to know you in an intimate way and having a service heart. Thank you so much, Lord, for the souls who may have gotten saved through that event yesterday. Thank you so much for this day that Lyle going to come and preach the word with conviction, Lord God, and we're going to leave here differently. Thank you, Lord God, that he's going to decrease, and Lord God, that you're going to increase, Lord God, and you're going to use him mightily. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the, it's going to be a, uh, an opportunity for us to carry out through the week and love on others, Lord. Thank you for this day that you've made. And we're blessed and we're glad in it. Now, Lord, I pray for those who might not have a father today. Thank you that you are in heaven, Lord God, and that you redeem a time. That, Lord, you restore which is lacking in someone's life and in their heart. Lord God, I pray, Lord, you'll be that bridge, Lord, that would they have peace of mind. And, Lord, thank you so much for loving them, Lord God, in a way that we, I, we can't possibly love them. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Well, 
Thank you all. You may be seated. <clears throat> what a joy and privilege it is to stand before you all this morning uh, on Father's Day. Uh, I don't. I didn't always grow up celebrating Father's Day. It was of very little importance to me uh, until I moved here to Huntsville and uh, I found a a full-time father in uh, Vanit Mahesh, and then my beautiful wife, Dolores, who they stepped down to four years. Uh, when she made me a father about six years ago, a little over six years ago, uh, <clears throat> and now I have two wonderful children, two beautiful uh, children, uh, thanks to her. Speaking of beautiful I've been looking out at you all. I've been looking out at you all, and you guys look absolutely gorgeous today. You're gorgeous today. Uh, yesterday was a beautiful event as well, uh, and I'm grateful for every single person that helped make that happen. <clears throat> I, I, I don't want to say names for all the volunteers because there were just so many people that showed up to help um, in even the smallest ways of making people feel good and uh, being hospitable. But I do at least want to thank those that were participants in cooking. I think that was a very important part as well, uh, if not for cookout, the most important part, uh, and, uh, and, and providing food. And so I do want to thank Ashley, uh, even though she wasn't expecting that and wouldn't carry it off for me to mention, for going to get an extra food. Um, around the first hour, we realized that we had served over 100 servings. Um, well, over 100 people, and some of them got multiple servings. Uh, you just never know, and I always invite people, and sometimes I will petition them to grab food to go because I know uh, some of the people's circumstances, and I know who's at home that would, who would be hungry and so forth. And so thank you all for that prep to food, for being so gracious and letting people take four or five bags home to their family members that couldn't make it to the event, and Ashley and others, when they realized that the, the uh, food was running low, she went and got more. And, uh, uh, Marco from, and uh, for from Man the Grill and Chris and Jamie as well for uh, making sure the hot dogs and burgers were cooked. And then we had pulled pork and uh, brisket, which was late, by the way. It was very late. Now I'm gonna I'll talk to him about it later. Uh, uh, it was good, but it was late. Uh, and we had two different types of pulled pork and chicken that Ike Reader, uh, Marcus Noble, and uh, Alex Hunter uh, cooked overnight and the day before to uh, for the event. And then we had a special dessert that was provided to all the staff, or I say staff, all the volunteers or workers uh, that uh, Omatayo uh, made for you all. And so if, you, if you've if tasted it and you want uh, her uh, to, to come to any of your special events, uh, uh, you can got to book her ahead of time, all right? You got to book her ahead of time. It is absolutely delicious. So I thank all of you all uh, for that opportunity. Uh, to Pastor Alex and his family in, in their absence, uh, and all of the village church leaders and uh, members, I thank you all for this opportunity uh, to beat Birmingham Theological Seminary, where I'm a professor at, and then to Huntsville Bible College, where I currently serve as special assistant to the president. It is a privilege to preach God's word, especially on this day, Father's Day. Uh, as you all know, it's, it's, it's a joke. It, it is a joke, but statistically proven that Father's Day is one of the least observed and celebrated holidays in uh, America. And, and uh, it's, it's not being shown here in this church, but in many churches 
uh, Mother's Day celebrations oftentimes include up to four times the amount of attendance than that of Father's Day uh, as, as services. And so we're glad to be here to celebrate all the fathers. And so children, uh, friends, and, and wives, and, and cousins, if uh, all you all that are in here, if you mind, don't mind giving a round of applause for all the fathers here today. Just acknowledging them. It's not, uh, like I said, they're oftentimes joking about it, but, but uh, it, it is oftentimes uh, observed that Father's Day, uh, even the gifts sometimes uh, seem to uh, not be in comparison to that of the mother. I'm, I'm reminded of a group of friends that were sitting down at a table, and one of the fathers, uh, one of them uh, decided to just express how he felt. And he said, I'm, you know, I, Father's Day is coming up, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I am sick and tired of every year my gifts being far worse than what my wife gets on Mother's Day, to which all his friends looked at him and said, you get gifts? <laughs> we celebrate, uh, we, we do celebrate Father's Day. We live in a society where fathers are oftentimes overlooked, mocked, trivialized, devalued. And you can see the trend, even in TV shows, if you think back in the days of some of the shows, at least that I grew up on, that the fathers, they were these confident, they were these encouraging, instructing, sagacious leaders that when a problem arose, they were there to help solve it. When there was an issue, they took charge. And, and today's TV shows, if you look at all the fathers, they are, they are oftentimes re- reflected as these dunces that are in a consistent and a constant state of confusion and tomfoolery. The Western world would even like you to believe that fatherhood is no longer needed or wanted. That they're more, they're more focused on trying to convince men that they can become women than trying to encourage men that they can go from men to fathers. That you can be a successful person without having to fulfill your fatherly duties. All the while ignoring the impact of a fatherless home. The U.S. Census Bureau, uh, they come out with these statistics every year, and, and, and there's a lot of different statistics out there, but, but the most recent that I was able to find reveals that in America, 18.4 million children live in fatherless homes. We live in a society that ignores the wide-ranging data that states that 85% of youth in prisons come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. We live in a society that completely ignores that 90% of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless homes. 60% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Households without fathers are four times more likely to live below the poverty line. And yet, our society wants you to think that there is no need for fathers. Obesity, college attendance, depression, joblessness, teen pregnancy, participation in extracurricular activities 
are all significantly impacted by whether or not a father is in the home. Biological father, an adoptive father, a stepfather in the home all play a crucial role in the development of our children, community, and state. Instead of trying to convince men that they can be women, we should focus on convincing men that they can become fathers. What I did not say, and I, I want to make a few things clear, what I did not say is that if you are in a single mother household or if you are living without a father, that there is no hope for you. That's not what I'm saying. After all, I come from a single mother household. I did not say that any male in the house is better than no male at all. There's a difference between a male in a house and a father in the home. There's a difference between fathering a child and being a father to a child. And fathers, here's what else I did not say. I did not say that if you are present consistently, if you love your children, if you honor the Lord and raise them up in Christ, that everything will go smoothly as you plan. These proverbs, uh, well, these statistics that I, that I mentioned are just that. And much like the book of Proverbs, these statements are principles, not promises. They're guidelines, not guarantees. They are not universal truths, but mostly general truths. <clears throat> well, then, uh, that was kind of rushing two things. The Gardner C. Taylor refers to preaching as sweet torture of Sunday morning, and James Earl Massey calls it a burdensome joy. And with that in mind, will you please pray for me? Father, we thank you. We love you. Be with us now as we try to look at what your word has for us in Proverbs chapter 1. Help us realize that we need you and we need fathers. We need leaders. We need men that are passionate and have compassion, that are peaceful, that are present. In Christ's name, amen. Our verse for today has already been written, uh, has been uh, read, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I would like to use four subjects, if I may, if you give me permission. And and what I almost had to do is, I guess, kind of like Alice, just come over here and say, we just want to swap, we just going to wipe all this off and just ignore it because I wanted to preach something else this morning. Uh, but we're going to stick to it. And the title is A Sermon for Shalom. As many of you all know, my son's name is Shalom. And so then we have a double entendre. We have a, a, a sermon for my son. But for you all, I have a sermon for peace. And I want to discuss as a subtopic a knowledge that leads to peace. And if I don't get there today because it is Father's Day and uh, we do want to make sure I get uh, my food in time, uh, then I would just uh, uh, say we'll have a part two later, okay? All right. Proverbs opens up in chapter 1, verse 1, with the author telling us that he is the author and that he's writing these Proverbs. The author is Solomon. And, 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 and the question is, what is a proverb? As I stated earlier, 
uh, it is not a promise or a guarantee. R.C. Sproul says that a common mistake in biblical interpretation and application is to give a proverbial saying the weight or force of a moral absolute. Richard Pratt says that the Proverbs commend certain paths to family members because they reflect the ways God ordinarily distributes his blessings. But ordinarily does not mean necessarily. Proverbs are not promises. John Piper says that the Proverbs are meant to be general principles. So Proverbs then are likelihoods. They are high statistical probabilities, norms. We know in Proverbs that there are exceptions as we read through them. When you look at Proverbs contemporary wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, they put an emphasis on the exceptions as Proverbs highlights the expectations, the typical, the unexceptional. Proverbs says to live your way, you live your life a certain way, and in doing so, certain consequences or rewards or repercussions will ensue normally. It says that if you are a virtuous, ethical, upright lifestyle and you live it that way, then you will have a long, fulfilled, and blessed life normally. Proverbs deals what is, with what is supposed to happen and what is likely to happen. Now, in Proverbs, there are promises. There are absolute statements. But when there is advice given with predictions to that advice, it is to be read as a highly feasible goal, as a highly feasible uh, opportunity. For example, look at uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. You already know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's a promise that if you trust in the Lord, lean on him, your path will be straight because God, if he's the leader and director, will not make a crooked path for you. So that is a guarantee. But then you can look at other Proverbs. Once again, you, you would know this one, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is not a guarantee. We all know parents who love the Lord, who, who trusted in the Lord, who raised their children up in the Lord, who taught them the Bible, who put them around other believers, and they went astray. But this is a high probability. Just like if you train them up in a wicked way, it's very highly probable that they will grow up to be a person of immorality. So there are some proverbs that are guarantees, but there's a very few. The majority of them are norms. Think of proverbs that we say in everyday life. Some of you all may have your own favorite proverbs that, as a dad, you may even say every day, just like your favorite joke, right? What about this? Absence makes the heart grows fonder, grow fonder. Not always. <laughs> Sometimes you or they realize 
how great it is to be away from you. And they do not come back. But it is pointing to a general truth. And what is that general truth? What is it saying generally? That being away from someone or something for a period of time makes you appreciate that person or thing more when you see it again. Normally. Sometimes the proverbial statement is not necessarily true, but points to a truth. I, I like this one right here. A watch pot never boils. That's a lie. I have, in fact, <laughs> watched many of pots boil. But it is pointing to a truth. And what is the truth? Give time to things. Be patient. If something takes time to do, it doesn't help by constantly checking on it. We have all kinds of proverbs, some that we live by, some that are true, some that are general statements. Beggars can't be choosers. Don't look a gift horse in his mouth. Birds of a feather flock together. Cleanliness is next to godliness, which is not in the Bible, by the way. That was a, it's a form of a saying that, man, appeared decades ago by Sir Francis Bacon in 1605. And then 200 years later, John Wesley quoted it in a sermon when he said this, Slovenliness is no part of religion. Cleanliness is indeed next to godliness. In that day and time, what they were trying to point to is the fact that you need to reflect God through your cleanliness. That you need to reflect. Just like God is clean, you need to be clean. That's not what it means today. It's kind of today means what? Go take a bath. Get in the shower. Soap and water. Deodorant. Baby powder. Right? (laughs) Guidelines and principles. Not guarantees and promises. The, the, book, the book of Proverbs, what it does is it juxtaposes the wise person's blessings with the foolish person's curses through antithetical parallelism. But, but, but we know that we know that, that contradistinction between the two does not always happen. Wisdom, knowledge, prudence, and understanding here are not referring to one's epistemology. Rather, it's referring to your sense of morality and ethics. It's not your sense of knowledge, but your sense of morals. Not your intelligence, but your integrity. There are many, by the standards set by academia, that are knowledgeable, scholarly, competent, and well-versed, that the Bible says are fools. What makes someone a fool? What are God's standards, his test for determining if someone is a fool? Well, I look at Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, what? There is no God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29 because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despise all my reproof, that makes someone a fool. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six: whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. We are all well aware of Romans 1 addressing the issue and consequences of becoming a fool. 
What happens in Romans 1? Well, the Bible, Paul says, as he's writing to the Roman church, that they knew God, right? But they chose not to honor him. In fact, they, they, they instead of worshiping the creator, decided to worship the creation. And here's how foolish, here's how foolish it is. They took it a step further. Not only did they decide to worship the creation, they decided to worship the creations of the creation. So they begin to worship things that resemble images of humans and, and creatures. So they begin to worship carved images, pictures, not even the real thing itself. And so instead of worshiping the creator, they begin to worship creation. But not only that, they, instead of worshiping the creator and the creation, they begin to worship the creation of the creation that was created by the creator. Sounds foolish. They, they exchanged the glory of the immoral God for images of creatures. So what did God do? He said he gave them up to it. He turned them over to the desires of their, heart, their hearts, the lust of their hearts, and because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, they are cursed. For this reason, God gave them over to their dishonorable passions, and they became fools. And what does this turning them over to their dishonorable passions look like? Paul says, for their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Solomon tells us in chapter 1, that the goal of Proverbs is to offer an opportunity to know wisdom. And we have two options here. You can know wisdom or you can become a fool. I'm not saying that you have to learn the biggest words in the vocabulary. You may never be able to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That's okay. All right. You can just say, it's awesome. You may never be able to explain the hypostatic union, but you can just say, I believe that God is all man and all God, and he's all right. You you may never be able to explain the sovereignty of God, but as the black church used to say, you can say, I know he's so big that when he moves, he bumps into himself. My brothers and sisters, you don't have to be able to know what the homoousios is and the transconsubstantiation of the, uh, the views of, of uh, communion, but all you need to know is that all the time God is good and God is good all the time. The book of Proverbs is giving us an opportunity to know. Now, the book is credited, and I mentioned this a few times, to Solomon, who was the third king of Israel. He was the final king of all 12 tribes of Israel. We call it the United Kingdom of Israel. And Solomon was the unlikely unexpected king. But after he became king, God gave him the opportunity to request anything he desires, and the Lord would give it to him. Now, you and I, we're lucky we weren't in that, that situation, right? Right? We would have asked for the wrong thing. Solomon, in his humility, thought of all the things he could have asked God for. Powerful army that can destroy any uh, enemy nations, right? Uh, more muscles, maybe? I don't know. 
uh, uh, more women, more money. And he looked at everything and said, give me wisdom so I can know how to lead and guide your kingdom, your people. And in doing so, Solomon was granted wisdom. Wisdom. Knowledge applied. That's what wisdom is. You cannot simply have knowledge. You must know how to use it. You cannot just have knowledge. You must know how to use it. And when you know how to use knowledge appropriately, that is called wisdom. One person said it like this. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. Knowledge applied. Solomon asked for wisdom. Fathers today, right now, because you'll forget when we leave, ask God for wisdom. Right now, pray for wisdom. We know, you know, we know, you know where to get it from. Job 12, 13 says, with God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. I love chapter 28 of Job. In, in it, it says this, the price of wisdom is above pearls. And then later on, as you keep reading, it asks, well, where does wisdom come from? God understands the way to it, Job says. And then Job 28 ends by saying that the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And you know James 1, 5 says that if anyone, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Fathers, above all things at this moment today, ask for wisdom. Lean not on your own understanding. One thing that Proverbs makes sure we are aware of, one thing that the rest of the scripture acknowledges is that wisdom is available to you and that wisdom is even pursuing you. Wisdom came down and walked amongst us. The very logic and wisdom of God took on bodily form, wisdom incarnate, logic personified. And for some of you at this moment, wisdom is calling you right now. But your phone is off. Wisdom is chasing after you, but you're running too fast. For some of you, wisdom has built a home, but you would rather live in the streets. Wisdom is offering nutrition and nourishment for us, fathers. And yet we would rather drink from poison cisterns and wells. Solomon asked Yahweh for wisdom. And was known as the wisest man to ever live. God himself said so. And his wisdom was quickly put to test. People came from all over to witness it. And unfortunately, as many of you know, Solomon did not end his life well. He was unsuccessful at following the very instructions of wisdom that he taught here in Proverbs. Fathers, listen to me. Do not... Be men that live by the creed, do as I say, not as I do. 
Be men that lead by example. Be men that you will be proud for your children to become one day. Be men that declare, as, as Paul says in, in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what led, what, what led to Solomon's downfall? What was it? What, what, what led to his undoing, his, his degradation? What was it? Anybody remember? Women? I can say that today. It's not Mother's Day, all right? Women, the, the very creatures, and I'm not, just hear me out, the very people that Solomon warns us about in the book of Proverbs, he says, be careful, be careful with some of the women, because they will turn your heart away from God, and what happens to him later on? He fell for women that were idol worshipers, that believed in other gods. And he had 700 of them and then 300 of them, wives and concubines. And they turned his heart away from God. Women that worship false idols and ideologies. And just as I said earlier, women, you should not just have any man in the house. Men, you cannot just have any women in the presence of your children. Be careful who you let influence. Mentor, teach, shape your children. I, I, I'm going. I'm going to try to get through this real quick. Verses two through six. We're not going. We're not going to break them down because we're just finishing up chapter, uh, verse one. Verses two through six simply tells us the purpose of the proverbs. The proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And what what, what are they for? Verse two: to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And then verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddle. That's what it's for. It is there so that you will know how to receive wisdom, how to receive knowledge. Verse 7, though, tells us. It tells us that if you want to receive it, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, the fools are going to despise it. They're going to hate that you try to give them guidance or instruction. And for those that are older, that are mentors, and I put myself in that, that have tried to instruct people, you know when someone doesn't want to hear it. You know when they get upset with you that you gave them just the smallest piece of advice. And then you know that there are those that's like, give me more. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I don't want to make this decision on my own. The, the Hebrew word here for fear is yara. And it can refer to being afraid, revering, highly admiring, or respecting. When you see Yara proceeding of God, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, it means respect, reverence, piety. This, Yara, right? This, the Bible says, 
is the beginning of knowledge. Think about the world and how it views knowledge, how it values knowledge. That the value of education in America and the leaders throughout history has been put as the most important thing that one can can chase after. For them, knowledge is the answer to everything. I'll prove it to you. Here's some of the, the top leaders here. Listen to what Nelson Mandela has to say. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. John Dewey said this, education is not preparation for life. Education is life itself. Alan Bloom says, education is the movement from darkness to light. Brazilian philosopher Paulo uh, Ferreira says this, education is freedom. This is what they say about knowledge and and knowing and, 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 and education that it is the most powerful weapon that can change the world, that it moves you from darkness to life, that it is uh, from light, it is life itself, and that it is freedom. And then here comes C.S. Lewis. That's my God, by the way. And here's what C.S. Lewis has to say about education. Education without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. Education, without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. What then is this knowledge that Solomon is putting on such a high pedestal? Knowing the Lord. That's what knowledge and wisdom is. Knowing God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that because you cannot fear, respect, and revere someone that you do not know. So if you, if you know the Lord and once you have an understanding of him, you will fear, rightly respect him. And that is the beginning. That is the steps to, to wisdom. You have people Seeking knowledge, but would disagree with where knowledge comes from. In, in today's society, the most controversial thing you can say is, the Bible says so. <laughs> if, you, if you want to seem like a bigot, a, a loser, just this, this person that is closed-minded, say, well, because Jesus said it. That's, that's why I believe it. Because the Bible is true, and, and I believe it's true, and I know it to be true, and so that's where I get, I get my truth from. But remember, claiming to be wise, they have become fools. And so what are their statements nowadays? That in this world that says that they're searching after truth, they will also say there is no such thing as truth. Isn't that a little foolish? They, they tell me, this is what they tell me, I don't know what they told you, that there is no such thing as truth. Richard, you know how I am. I said, is that true? <laughs> That's what I asked them. They told me you cannot tell someone what to believe. My question to them is, are you telling me what to believe? They tell me you do not tell someone how to love. And I said, did you just tell me how to love? They're, they're claiming to be wise. 
They're trying to be as open-minded as possible, but see, when you're too open-minded, any and everything can get in. There has to be layers and and levels of closed-mindedness. There are some things that you just can't tolerate. So when you tell me, do not judge, my question is, are you going to judge me for judging? When you tell me that you got to tolerate everybody, I want to ask you, are you going to tolerate me if I don't tolerate everybody? See, there has to be an absolute standard, and by that, that's when you can decide who and what to tolerate, who and what is true. I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm ready to go. Knowing truth, knowing God, the creator of truth, will make your life so much easier. Having the divine guide, the wisdom of the sovereign one, having a loving and all-knowing God who provides guidance, that directs our paths and makes them straight, can bring comfort and tranquility. Knowing God develops a, a, a deep sense of trust that leads us to acknowledge that there are certain things beyond our control and having faith in that God that he will provide our needs in that time. We must let go of anxieties and worries. That's what happens when you know truth. You begin to experience peace and and a sense of relief declaring, I know the one with all power and authority and control. Knowing God leads to peace by knowing forgiveness awaits us. We can find solace in the fact that God's mercy and grace are available to us. It is available to you. We can find peace in knowing that this grace and mercy leads to freedom from guilt. Knowing God gives us confidence in someone that is perfect and not in our imperfections. So so no longer do we brag about things that will fade away, that will disappoint, that will backfire or diminish. We do not brag in our riches or or strength or wisdom. We brag, as Jeremiah teaches us, as he instructs us, that we understand and know God. That's what I brag about. I don't know a lot of things, but I know God, and I'll brag about that. I brag that I know the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Godly fathers, do not worry about what our children know. Godly fathers, we are more worried about who our children know. Godly fathers, we're not so concerned about how strong we are. We're more concerned about how strong our faith is. Godly fathers, listen to me, listen to me. I'm not that that concerned about Shalom's career status. I'm way more, far more concerned about his conversion status. I am not concerned or worried about how many sports Shalom will play. I am much more concerned about how much his soul prays. And I'm not worried about if Shalom will receive good grades. Not more than if Shalom will receive God's grace. Amen.
Man, praise the Lord for his word. If you would please stand. As we ask the Lord to be our vision. my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, Thy presence my life. Be Thou my wisdom, be Thou my wisdom. My true word, I ever with thee, and now with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, and I thy true Son. Thou with me dwelling, and I with thee Riches I eat not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only be first in my heart. I King of heaven, my treasure thou My microphone is dead, so, I, uh, so I'm going to use this mic to uh, close up with the benediction. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Uh, now receive this word of benediction. May the uh, God of peace and the Lord of all creation uh, be with you, comfort you, and give you a wisdom and peace surpassing all knowledge and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.